I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Welcome to the next installation of Frack Stars. In this episode, we are going to talk about the episode Fragged from Season 2, Episode 3. And with me to talk Battlestar, we have Xander. Hello everyone, how are you? And we have back with us again from Starbase UGC, we have Drogon1701. Welcome. Thank you very much, great to be here. Now... This episode um, is about mainly Colonel Ty dealing badly over sort of Rosalind's removal from the presidency, and of course we've also got um, all the problems down on Cobol after the crash. So, this is the um, episode where that really comes to the forefront. Yeah. Now, of course, we start off the episode with um, Doctor Cottle finally getting onto Galactica because um, he got stuck on the rising star um, in the Cylon attack. And, um, Is he not the best character ever? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, But we don't get to see much of him, because he basically just swears at people and goes in to um, operate, because uh, 
um, Adama's still bleeding internally, and the people who were there don't know what to do. This is what happens when the world ends and you only have one doctor. You give him everything he wants. <laughs> Lots of cigars in his case. So yeah. you think uh, you think that would he'd be like the one person they wouldn't give cigars. It's like we yeah. can keep you alive a long time, so Yeah. You put him into like you give him his own ship and then you say, Okay, this is like the surgical ship of the fleet. Now you have to take all these knuckle draggers, you know, that's what they call the you know, people on the deck. Take all these knuckle draggers and make them into surgeons. You know, just like um, it's a teaching what's hospital your name? Ship. Yeah, just like they did with uh, on the previous episode, the uh, the medic had to go in and do surgery, and I just love how he walks. I don't in, think she like, actually had a name, but yeah, yeah, random medic number three, what is what we'll call her, <laughs> and uh, he's just like, oh my god, you know, like what kind of a mess is this? You know, he just like slaughtered the poor guy, right? <laughs> and it's like, well, if you weren't there, if you weren't having holidays on cloud nine, you know, you would have been here to fix them. Um, I love um, Cottle because wasn't it this episode where he walks in and he goes, is he going to survive? He goes, what am I? <laughs> sort of a mind reader or How something? How the hell should I know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just really wanted him at that time going, damn it, Jim, I'm not, a, I'm a doctor, not a... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that sort of moment. You just want, I'm a doctor, not. <laughs> Damn it, Jim, he's, I'm a doctor. He's definitely not a McCoy type, McCoy type character. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, with all the but sort of things. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just with all the references they um, do to sort of other series and occasions, is the one time that you're thinking that should have been a McCoy <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's just like. Although, yeah. I, I have to think maybe Rondi more probably consciously avoided a few here and there the obvious references but I think if you sit down you know Battlestar Galactic is awesome but if you sit down every single Star Trek character in every single series is in this show you know you got Admiral Adama he's totally Picard yeah Dr. Cottle he's definitely spot our bones um, you have Apollo he's definitely Kirk um, oh gosh um Roslyn, he's she's Cisco. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm all, I could almost argue that Starbuck is Kirk, with the crazy plans and the sleeping around. And... Well, I would think both of them make Kirk because Kirk was a soldier first, and that's that's really that's really more of a strong suit for Apollo. Oh yeah, but the sleeping he's around part is definitely and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could I could say both of those characters would be labeled Kirk, but maybe even maybe uh, Starbuck would be more Riker, because where Kirk yeah did get around, he didn't intentionally Not go near as much after. As Riker. <laughs> yeah, Riker actually went for them. You know, Kirk they just kind of dropped in his lap. You know, just I, I think I tweeted somebody one time when they were talking about this side of Riker's character, and I said, yeah, he's more Kirk than Kirk actually. Yeah, he he actually does the thing that the things that Kirk has a reputation for doing. Yeah, but I think you're right. I mean, it, probably because the characters in Star Trek have become such sort of iconic characters that you can see their qualities in in any show almost. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing and is with Spock. Star Trek is it spanned sort of fifty years, so you there's always something for someone. Yeah, in and all Spock. that. 700 hours of on-screen entertainment in Star Trek. Yeah. Exactly. 
and Spock would be like every single Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because at moments they have the emotional burst, but most of the time they're logical. <laughs> but um, yeah, after sort of we see Doc Cottle, um, we then sort of see Ty drinking heavily again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think he's asked then about um, the Quorum of Twelve, um, who are demanding to see um, Laura Roslin, who's now been imprisoned. Um, now, of course, um, yeah, Ty just loves the fact that they're demanding to uh, see them. And basically just puts them on ice, just going, yeah, screw you. It's a, it's a weird thing as Billy, the aide of the president there, he, I don't know, he's, he's a strange character because he's almost like he doesn't fit with the rest of the world here because he's just a sort of nice kid. He yeah. just well, lives out of place. To he's me. this sort of naive character that just, it's just like, wake up! You just want to slap him. Yeah. Yeah. There's one uh, one of the quotes from the show uh, when when they're in the CIC. Colonel Ty looks at Billy and says, "Why aren't you in the break?" And Billy looks at him <laughs> because no one put me in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's a that, Captain Obvious answer. And one of the things that was um, some people thought was a bit of a goof was the fact that um, it was specified that all twelve members of the quorum were aboard. But of course, at this time. Gaius was on Cobol, but because he's I been they have alternates or something. Well, the thing is, is because he's been promoted to vice president, um, it's what they classed as a, um, especially on IMDb, they actually classed as an incorrect um, goof, because you would assume if he'd been promoted to the level of vice president, that there would have been a new representative for Caprica, because he wouldn't have been doing two jobs in the sort of government. Yeah, fair enough. Well, maybe so, they have to have some kind of election to find a representative for Caprica. You know, maybe they just haven't got to that point yet. I, I can't really, remember. Yeah. I'm trying to think how much time has actually passed in that. Since, since Colonial Day? Yeah. The episode Colonial Day? Um, I would guess not much. Days? Weeks? Yeah, the thing is, is days. even if someone hasn't been properly voted in I would have expected that, as you said, there would have been a sort of a number two as such um, to sort of yeah. step up until the voting sort of thing. Because I, I imagine we're maybe like two or three days from the start of the season finale of season one, as far as, you know, the timeline of the show. Uh, I'm sure Colonial Day was a week or two before that. Yeah. No, but the thing it's is, really is with a lot of this show, you don't always know. first episodes. You're not always quite sure about how much time has passed in a lot of these episodes. So some of it, it says... You know, it was actually a lot shorter than I thought because I think it's later in this season where they actually tell you how much time has passed since... It's like six months. Apocalypse. And yeah, it wasn't near as much as I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah, because they eventually go down and meet some more survivors when they go back um, to Caprica. Um, so it's all said then. Yeah, and I, th I think where they say it is at some Actually, point, that's not this episode, is it? That's no, the Commander next one. Adama says something about it's been X months since the thing and it's finally hitting them that their old lives are over. 
But I think it's later in the season. Yeah, I think it's mentioned in the next episode um, where they meet up on Caprica um, with some other people that they find. And it's all set, like, how have you survived the last six months or something, yeah. But that's later. That is later. That's another episode. Yeah. So getting back to this one, we have the funny scene with Ty being drunk in CIC. And his strange outbursts. And it's just like, you feel embarrassed for him. Sounds like everybody <laughs> else does too on the CIC. Yeah, you just, you just see them staring at him, just going and like... Sort of internally cringing. Yeah, just like, seriously? Well, the <laughs> Get no, sober. The, the, the amount of pressure that he's on right now, because he's the XO of Galactica, and not only is he the XO of Galactica, but in technicality, he is kind of in charge of the fleet now, because where Adama took Rosalind out, put her into the brig before he gets shot, um, his the uh, Galactica office is pretty much you know in charge of the fleets because they unofficially de you know the coup d'etat they unofficially declared martial law which martial law will come into effect in a later episode possibly in the episode yeah. so yeah it's a and lot this of is the exact place you don't want Colonel Ty yeah Ty is the guy you want next to you in a firefight. <laughs> <laughs> but not leading a peacetime fleet of civvies. Yeah. I remember there's a scene, you know, you know, he's, we all know he's liquored up, uh, but there's a scene in the, uh, on the flight deck when uh, he's walking around, he's talking to Apollo. Uh, yeah, actually, when you're in the CIC, he's asking Apollo, why is he not into, in the brig? You know, because like Apollo says, you put me in charge of air tactics. So unless you're going to throw me into the bridge, I'm going to do my job, you know, kind of sort of thing. He just freaks out there. There's also another moment on the flight deck when Apollo, he just he just really has an animosity towards Apollo in this episode. Because later on, just like the next scene, Apollo, like really fast, like he's really, really fast. He's in the, he's in the um, a Raptor, getting the prep done for a Raptor. And apparently, maybe in this episode, there is only a couple Raptors left. Because he said that he had to salvage parts from another raptor to fix one of the two raptors that are going to Cabal. And Ty's like, 90 minutes, get it done now, you know, or else you want to be back in the brig, you know, like, shape up your soldiers, get it done now, sort of speak. I, I don't think it was that there were two left. I think there, there was only two Operation. available because a lot of them were in for repair and stuff. Yeah. Because we see a lot we're, more of them. It's never quite made clear how many of these things they have, and that's probably intentional. So They didn't want another Voyager moment. Yeah, yeah. Voyager with its uh, never-ending supply of shuttles that yeah. it couldn't possibly have. And torpedoes. Those are next Tuesday. No, um, but yeah, it's just like, you just really wanted to cringe every time he had one of these outbursts, and sort of one minute he was sort of like, okay or as okay as he got <laughs> the next minute is just lashing yeah. out <laughs> it's just like he's just a nasty drunk he is yeah yeah but also keep in mind you know we it's almost inferred that his character has seen so much crap you know through the first cylon war and you know on 
God, I don't remember what they were on. The freighter, I think it was a freighter, a mining ship they were on before when he was with uh, he met Adama. And he's just seen so much crap through his career. Plus his wife being the way she is, plus the destruction or Armageddon of everything. He's just one of those guys that naturally seeks the bottle just to drown the sorrows, to forget the memories. But it was, it was in the first season, it was really nice redeeming quality that he actually went and he got away from the bottle up until his wife came back. She's an enabler. Now she's like, the snake in the grass in this, in this episode and in the next. She's yeah. always nagging at him and yeah. yeah. This is where you see her really just, well from what we've seen before you know she slept around and she liked being in a place of power and that's just not what she tended to get from him and in this episode and the next you can see her wanting to elevate herself through him yeah. by her pushing him yeah she has always been she's always been one of class and social status and you know being you know the exo of galactica's wife she does have a status you know in this fleet now but if she can be the ex, uh, if she can be the wife of the commander of Galactica, then pretty much he's king, she's queen, and I think that's what she's going for. Uh, she's very, she has lots of you know, devious, devious hands going out, manipulating situations in the back, especially when we talk about it, what's coming up here in a little bit. You know, the whole thing with Rosalind. Well, it's not even that she would be queen. Because the way that she controls um, Colonel Ty, he would be the one almost calling the shots. Yeah, but she's never been, she's never been the forerunner. You know, they always say through history, behind every good man is a good woman. You know, they say that about Abraham Lincoln. They say that about a bunch of other different uh, high status people. It could she's, work between every bad man and bad woman too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Uh, well, I was just—I was just coining a phrase. I wasn't, you know, just going too specific. But she doesn't. It seems that she uses him as a shield. She controls his strings from behind, and then everyone that opposes it attacks him, where she can dodge the stuff from left to right, so to speak. So all the fire will go back at him, but she gets her way by controlling him, which that which does come true, you know, in this episode and in the next because he's in the line of fire with the decisions that they are going to be making. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the, ne the next one, absolutely. We'll see that. Yeah. Now, of course, while he's having all these drunk moments, um, Elam actually goes to visit Rosalyn um, in the brig and, of course, sees her going crazy because she hasn't been able to get her meds because uh, she's been taking um, Kamala. Yeah. Kamala, Kamala extract, extract. Yeah. So, um... So, of course, she then uses that to push Ty to um, sort of <laughs> saying, well, if the Coron want to see her, go let them. Yeah. And then, you know, she, she smacks him around a little bit. And then, you know, we kind of see, uh, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Fifty Shades of Grey. No. But we definitely have, like, Fifty Shades of Ellen happening here. Because <laughs> she, like, smacks him around in this episode and the next. And... I guess they kind of like 
the rough stuff because it just goes right they just drop everything and drop right to the floor you know she likes to beat him up and i think he likes it this you get you get a sense of just how sort of chaotic and almost yeah. violent their relationship is yeah that's um yeah this, and it's um, certainly it's certainly not going to turn out well for almost everybody yeah but also don't forget back you know back in the beginning of the first season He's even stated that she's slept with the half the fleet. You know, he, he also knows that she's unfaithful, you know, and the dynamic of their relationship before the fall and then after, you know, is it's probably, you know, hit an escalate, es- escalation point. You'll definitely see that later on in the next season when stuff happens and other stuff happens. Oh, yeah. Now, of course... Um, we well, had we... the benefit of uh, watching this again, you know, and mm-hmm. knowing where everything is going. Yeah. Now, of course, what happens is uh, Ty takes his wife's, um, how we say, suggestion of uh, letting the quorum see the president. But of course, she manages to get some Kamala um, and sort of regains uh, sort of some control over her mind, shall we say. But of mm-hmm. course, it starts off that she's just sort of sitting there, and they're like, "What's wrong? What's bad?" And sort of ties, sort of, he's mouthing off, and <laughs> then she just stands up and makes this really good sort of speech and says, "Like, I am the prophet." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like totally. Hey, it's it's showing time at the zoo because he's expecting her to be batshit crazy, so to speak. And you know, they've been setting up this whole thing like in the briefing room. You know, uh, the quorum is like, are you going to be making, issuing martial law? And he ties totally says, no, this, there's going to be no martial law. Uh, Adama, you know, loves democracy. Uh, he fights for it. He would not want to see martial law at all. And then, like you said, you know, Ellen puts the suggestion in his head after they have that little fist fight and the drunken little fun time. And she just seeds these, she knows exactly how to play it. She seeds these suggestions in there and then is like, wow, good idea. You know, tell them all it's showing time at the zoo. And it, it's almost, <laughs> it almost made me feel like there was going to be some part, there was going to be somebody in the cell with like a little metal can rubbing it against the bars. You know, I almost <laughs> felt like that was going to happen. And then she totally becomes lucid, like, oh, I have seen the arrow yeah. of Apollo. As it, and she reveals that publicly for the first time. Yeah. And it's just the look on Ty's face when she does this little speech, sort of like, I am the prophet and um, I am dying. It's oh crap. <laughs> and his, his face is just like, what the? Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that was great. And, and the other little small thread in that scene is you almost start to see the beginning of a a good relationship between the president and Tom Zarek. Yeah, well, he, he's the he, one he's where in there with Corm, he's he's sticking up for her, sticking up for democracy, essentially. And you know, they'll actually have a good relationship as it progresses into season three, and then everything goes to yeah. Hell. Yeah. Well, he was the one that turned around to Soltai when he goes viewing time at the zoo, and he goes, "Oh, glad to see that you hold her in such high esteem," or something. Yeah. Something like that. He's totally done a he's totally done a one eighty 
uh, like Adama would say, sometimes you have to roll a hard six. You know, he's totally changed his character. He's one of those, he's like the series chameleon. He is what you need him to be at any given time. He is probably one of the characters that really, you can say that he has a backstory because he has a backstory. He's a terrorist for rights and stuff like that. Uh, but in every time you see him, in every storyline you see him, he's the perfect one that you throw everything out of the room and then write him something new and then he's the perfect chameleon. Like before, he was the terrorist. And then he was the antagonist trying to trying to fight for elections. Now he's fighting for Rosalind. Even though this, if he was truly evil, like a, an evil terrorist, he could have easily probably swept this into some, like since Baltar is on the planet, he probably could have just spun this in a way where Rosalind's in jail, you know, Baltar's on a planet, I can seize control for myself, but he doesn't. Well, because you know. I, th I think he's he's also an opportunist, and I don't think he sees that he can seize power right now. With the yeah, because at the moment, control. the person in power is Ty. Yeah. And the one thing he's not wanting is the military in control. So him being with the president and leading the quorum, that gives him the power. So I don't he's, think he's, he's changed. He's a power player. Yeah, he, he, he's looking at the long game. I don't... I don't think that, as you've said, he sort of keeps changing. I think he knows what the situation he is. He's looking yeah. at season three when we're on season two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, he knows that with Adama down, Ty being the person he is, that the civilian government is going to lose control of everything. So he's looking to make sure that they regain control so he's backing the president. So he's doing what he sees he needs to do in order to try and get power later on. As I said, he's playing the long game. Uh, so I don't think he's sort of changing his sort of spots, so to speak, um, all the time. But I think that actually, I think that actually goes to what I say because he really doesn't have spots. His his pattern changes in every time we see him. Like from this episode, we see him, he's completely adversarial against Ty because he's all for, okay, you know, democracy. And then, you know, in the, in the next episode, he's totally King Gangsta. You know, I'm going to bring you to all the shimmies and, the, and the, like all kinds of, well, you, we'll get to that when we get to it. But he, he changes all the time. Yeah, well... Really, that's it. I think, it I think for he, what... he becomes what he needs to be to yeah. advance himself. Karma, 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 chameleon. And he does whatever the writers need him to do, which really every character does that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's really what's been going on for this episode for Battlestar. Of course, it ends up with uh, Ty finally declaring martial law um, over the entire fleet. So. Um, which the press go crazy at. Yeah, you um, get that great slow walk from him off the podium yeah. to the door. <laughs> now, of course, the other half of the episode is, as we've sort of mentioned, down on Cobalt. So, of course, uh, you've got the survivors of the... Um, what was it? Caprica. 
No, they're on cable. The, the, um, cable. the raptor survivors. The raptor. Yeah. I couldn't think what the ship was called. <laughs> I, I keep going to say raider. I'm thinking it's not a raider. Raptor 2 or something like that. <laughs> what they yeah. Because it. it's raptor. the only one of three that survived, wasn't yeah. it? No, it's okay. Galactus has got a million of these things. One was destroyed, one made it back, and one crashed. Yes, one did make it back, didn't it? That's right. Or else, how but, would they know where they were? Yeah. Ah. But they're down to Baltar, Cali, Celix, Crashdown, and the Chief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they cool. so go saving Private Ryan in this episode. <laughs> and it goes about as well. <laughs> now, of course, this is where we see crash down still just being so useless he's a and um, and i gotta say i mean sam whitworth he's a good actor i mean he's playing it really well i mean you just hate crash down <laughs> you yeah. do i i, I just love he's poorly written is because it's like th this is a guy who is so not cut out for this he's green and i, yeah. I actually went and watched um 33 the, the first regular episode the other day and um it's the first one he shows up in and uh boomer says something about he's not my eco he's just some refugee <laughs> that we could <laughs> yeah now well, that could also that could also mean that we could take that as he's been a career pilot all this time uh on a pilot a career rio or he could in an actuality just been Mm -hmm. Assigned to Galactica after this, and he—you can tell he's really green in this episode. Yeah, it, it's not necessarily clear what his background is, but he wasn't on Galactica in the initial attack. Yeah, but um, one of the things I like is when Tyrrell sort of just his look of amazement when it comes to doing the plan, because of course while they're on Cobalt, they notice the that. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so the little plan is just like I've never seen it sort of taken so literally, literally. because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah they're trying to do a plan to attack the Cylons because they're um, building um, sort of the anti-aircraft battery anti-aircraft battery that's they're right meant to shoot down anybody who comes rescuing them yeah because that's why yeah. they stopped chasing them in, through the forest and that wasn't it yeah because they're using these guys as guinea pigs. The Cylons know they're there. The Cylons are all like, okay, they're there. So we can either, you know, expend some more toasters catching them, or we can use them to lure down new new people, and they'll probably just keep sending them. We'll keep blowing them up, and you know how logical they get, right? So <laughs> it's just a trap. It's a well, trap. the Cylons know what, they're not going anywhere. Predictable thing about humans is that we will send more people and risk more lives to try and save people. Yes. There's, yeah, the Cylons know that the Raptor is gone. They've got no way off the planet, so they don't need to go and sort of hunt them down when they know others will come, which they can then kill more yeah. by just sorting out by basically they take apart the heavy raider don't they in order to build this anti-aircraft no, battery no no the heavy raiders the heavy they, raider has stuff on it i i think they take some parts from it, like missiles. yeah they actually say that they're cannibalizing parts from their own heavy raider in order to um, I, I think it. it could probably still fly but yeah they probably just took, took weapons and guidance because according to them that they, they, they probably don't well, i suppose the sidelines are good they probably know that they're up you know the base the base star is not up there well, the Cylons. No, oh yeah, there, there's, there's another thought. 
the Cylons know they're the only ones left. Because they have to know. They're all interconnected. So they already know that they're the only ones left. So they're just, it's a stall tactic. They're, you know, blow operators or whatever and keep people on the ground. Uh, so Battlestar Galactica will keep, you know, trying to save the survivors long enough for maybe, another base. Maybe hoping, maybe hoping that the Battlestar itself will show up if they keep downing the Raptors. Yeah. They can destroy it. One of the things I love about the scenes between when they're planning everything is that when, when Baltar starts mouthing off and saying can't possibly happen, the chief, who just a second before was privately questioning uh, Crashdown's orders, he jumps right in and says, no, these are what this is what we're doing. The lieutenant has decided. Yeah. So, you know, he's a guy who, who will privately tell you exactly what he thinks of your stupid plan but once your decision is made he'll follow orders he's a good soldier he is yeah he's definitely doing that um we were soldiers the mel gibson movie <laughs> we got a lot of you know <laughs> they, they took just about almost all the really cool war movies that okay they're really horrible but the uh, what happened but the really oh, yeah. cool movies and put them in this one episode because mm -hmm. oh yeah these the staff sergeant or the master sergeant in that movie is totally all up in everyone's face he's gonna pound you know pound their asses into the grass kind of thing do follow your orders uh, more so than the guy that was uh, his uh, sergeant in the movie uh, saving private ryan um, yeah, he, he, he plays his military part, which is ironic because he's a, he's a deck chief, which honestly, he's playing the parts of, you know, pretty much a warrior, you know, coin a phrase back from mm -hmm. the original Battlestar Galactica series, the warriors, but it doesn't really seem like, I, well, I can't he's a, place him you know, he's, a he's a non-commissioned officer. Yeah. And, you know, those guys are usually your very experienced guys. They they know what they're doing. They've seen it all. And they know what it takes to get the job done. Yeah, he, he's been around in the service for a while. So he may be chief now, but we don't know what he did before he did sort of engineering. So, because it's never... We don't really go that far into his background. Although, sort of, it goes into, I think, on the next episode what his father was and things like that but we never go if i remember rightly we never go sort of majorly into sort of you know we, background. we don't know a lot about you know what life was like before the fall you know whether there were other conflicts you know the silence were off in their own space but were there other conflicts you know were there conflicts between the colonies we, we don't know any of that I and mean, we don't know if any of these guys saw combat you know the yeah. ones who were too young to be in the first war yeah because especially as in this version of Battlestar Galactica um, compared to the original series in the 70s is that the 12 colonies in this series is actually 12 different planets whereas it, 12 colonies on the 70s one was all in one world no, I think there is. Yeah, there's, there's all, there's the twelve worlds. I think on the original series it was actually one planet, but twelve no. colonies on that planet. It only showed one planet. It only showed Caprica because that's where the Cylons were going to sign the armistice. And the only reason why I know this is because I tricked myself into watching the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
tricked yourself. Tricked yourself. Well, I seen it. I seen the whole thing when I was younger. When I was a kid, I seen the whole thing. But uh, what was it, just last week? I don't know. I was looking for something to watch, and I didn't feel like watching anything. Anything that I've already watched. I've already watched the episodes that we we're going to be talking about here, and then I was like, well. You know, I haven't seen the original one for a while, so I just, like, slapped it on the first episode, and I remembered why we're not doing a show on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think I told you guys off the air when we were first starting this series, but I, I've never actually seen the original, so I, I wouldn't know. But obviously, you know, 70s. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's still before my time as well. Talking about the first season of that show wouldn't be would be okay on this one, I think, on on this show. But the second season, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I really know is that Galactica 1980 was some sort of weird abomination. Well, they had space babies, they had motorcycles to fly, and I think that was the series that showed what happened to Starbuck. Because there was a great, there was a great episode where, and you know that movie Enemy Mine, um, where those two different pilots from two different sides, one was a human, one was a creature or whatever, got stranded. Then they started oh, yeah. helping each other. Then you know Star Trek Enterprise has the same episode. Star Trek Voyager mm-hmm. has the same TNG, episode. TNG, you know, so on. Um, Battlestar Galactica, I think, was probably the first that did it. And Starbuck and a Cylon were totally stranded on one planet, and then the Cylon eventually helped him by not only killing himself but killing other Cylons. So there, there's some good stuff to it. Yeah, he totally reformed a toaster. And obviously, um, you know, if we didn't have the original Battlestar Galactica, we wouldn't have this one that we're talking yeah. about. And there's supposed to be a new movie in the works, a new Battlestar Galactica movie. Yeah, supposedly. Because Hollywood has run out of it. Exactly. Well, here right. we go. You know. Okay. Ghostbusters reboot. All Cylon cast. <laughs> <laughs> Toaster Buster. Something weird. Do 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 in the kitchen now. Do do do. Who you gonna call? Toaster Busters. <laughs> Burn your toes. Do do and your waffles too. Do do do. Who you gonna call? Toaster Busters. Ow. Anyway. Back to the episode. <laughs> so hey, we gotta yeah. push that into a musical number every so often. Uh, we try and stop him from doing that as often as we can. He's a triple threat. <laughs> he can <laughs> dance too. Uh, but yeah, we go through um, Crashdown doing his graphs um, um, before they go and attack. But of course, they go and attack. But don't forget, don't forget. They did some recon, and everyone <laughs> stayed at their post for a little while, except for Baltar, because for some random yeah, reason... Baltar completely fracking it up. Yeah, he totally went, like, whole cheetah, warrior princess kind of thing, and he's, like, st- st- you know, laying down on this random log that just happened to be overlooking the dish, the Dreadus dish that, you know, these two sidelines were hooking up, and then he, like, totally drops the field glasses, as he calls them. Uh, he drops them. He's only there for, like, a minute. And then he, you know, just scampers away. And then those two Cylons that were supposed to be, you know, patrolling that area or being uh, guards just totally walk away when they're finished their repairs. And then he goes and reports, yeah, I was there. They were there continuously guarding for five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, oh. So, of course, when they go to 
execute this plan. Um, the Cylons aren't where they were supposed to have been. So that then starts this argument up about going for the satellite dish or going for the battery itself. Yeah, and Callie just can't do the attack. She just can't go for it. I mean, she freezes. Understandably, for a lot of people. I mean, especially for, as you see, a deckhand who, who Callie's age probably hasn't seen any combat and she said in the last episode just joined so she could uh pay for pay dental, for dental school. school actually that was this episode because <laughs> yeah. um, it because boltar just there, yeah. he was he was stressing out because he was saying so yeah, all these untrained <laughs> outnumbered um and we're doing a suicidal attack on the cylons <laughs> and it's all going it's insane i've never fired a gun in my life sort of thing <laughs> And so, but then it's Celix goes, I haven't done it since basic training. Yeah. <laughs> Think of those cavities. And then that's when got, um, think, is it Boltar or was it Celix ask about, um, Callie? Just, uh, I only joined to pay for dental school. <laughs> Which is just so completely random. I haven't even twisted my nethers great. yet. Throw in random Firefly. But she, yeah. she, she is the Kaylee of Battlestar Yeah. But uh, before we go too further into what happens, I want to ask you guys a question, okay? During during his little graph session, so he clearly, you know, he we know there's we know there's five Cylons, okay? Two are reported at the satellite dish. Three of them are at the console that they are going to attack. The satellite dish is a click away from the console. You as the military commander, which target would you pick to 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 go for? I'd say the dish. Midnight? I'd say the dish to begin with, because that stops them from killing your rescue, and then the next attack would be the battery, so they can't turn the battery on. Because yeah. they can't. Presumably, they could rebuild the dish, but it would take time. So but yes. for that first, it's more lightly defended. Exactly. According to your recon. Mm-hmm. Which, That's as we exactly know, was what wrong. I would go for. And it was actually undefended for a lot of the time. Yeah, and this and this whole time, Tyrell uh, has been helping out uh, Crashdown. And they're talking, they're doing this plan. They're trying come, to. Yeah, how come Tyrell didn't realize this? You know, on, honestly, it's a simple numbers game. You know, two versus three. And by the time the Cylons from the, the three Cylons that were at the console, even if they heard the shots, they heard the, the battle, by the time they got there, it'd be at least, you know, five to ten minutes to running out, depending oh, yeah. on how fast they run, right? They could have, you know, they have six people, or they have five people, five guns trained on two Cylons. The Cylons would have been dispatched. They randomly got this grenade launcher out of nowhere. <laughs> so they didn't seem to have before. They didn't have it before, but they just randomly have this grenade launcher. So that grenade launcher takes out the It's an dish. ancient cobalt grenade launcher that they found. Yeah, that's it. Because we all know this is actually a MMORPG, and you just find random stuff lying around. Like yep. fantastic ancient weapons. Yep. Bringing out Stargate now. <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, to the battle. So you're not the only one who can reference other sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> well, they scrounge a load of stuff from the wreckage so we know they had weapons but we 
Presumably at the time that, that could have been in a case so they didn't actually have it until they sort of had escaped um, into the forest. But I think there could be, you know, there could have been some, at some point off screen where he suggested, hey, LT, why don't we go for the dish? And Crashdown being Crashdown probably would have said, no, we're doing it my way. Yeah, that's true. But, but he, do, also... he does advocate going for the dish when they find out that the all the Cylons have patrolled down to the missile battery. Yeah, but uh, just to just to reference what Midnight was saying in the previous episode, when they when they lost the other person, when they had to get the meds, they did uh, take an inventory of their supplies. They did actually say they had five pistols and two rifles. They didn't say anything about the grenade launcher. Yeah, but wasn't that before they went into the forest? Wasn't that? Yeah, that was that was after that was after they went into the forest when they sent those guys back. That. Tyrrell and the, gr the group back to get the medical supplies. Okay. Yeah. So they, you know, semantics. You know, we're nit yeah, I'm nitpicking, but it's just they, something they yeah. something they needed for the episode. Yeah, it wasn't mentioned before. But, <laughs> you know, gotta allow them some leeway for a little, a few of these. Yeah. Things. It doesn't break the universe. It's not like they no. randomly picked picked out a New York cheesecake. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. So yeah, um, they're going for this attack and they start this argument because the dish is now unprotected. Callie starts having a sort of breakdown because she just can't do her orders of attacking the Cylons. Because basically she's the sort of distraction. <laughs> she's the one who's going to get shot at the most. Yeah. So he's shouting at her, move, move, and crash down then pulls the gun out on her. Um, so All the while while they're yelling. He yeah, mind. I was about like to say. Person. All this time they're yelling. There, there's, only, there's only what, like a few, twenty yards. Yeah, between them and the Cylons. Presumably, yeah. Cylons have audio sensors. <laughs> yeah, they can probably hear better than us. And all this time they're yelling, "Hey, what are you doing? You gotta run! You gotta run! You know, hold on!" G you know, like, all, they're yelling their heads off. And then she yells back at, you know, Crashdown, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the whole time, uh, like, I just wish there was a camera panned down at the Cylons. Because the Cylons would be down there. They go, okay, should we attack them? No, no, don't do that. They're going to kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, how, yeah. How about now, Chief? No, no, no. Wait. Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for the gunshot. <laughs> This has all happened before. This has all happened again, right? But yeah, because eventually um, the chief does actually pull his weapon to uh, crash down and tells so him that's to stop. What the cool kids call it nowadays. <laughs> but yeah, but in the end, it's um, actually because it's Boltar so that ends up shooting him in shot. the back. And, then... and not only, and not only does he actually pull his weapon. Uh -huh, phrase. But he totally goes gangsta. He like holds the gun to the side. Like, oh yeah, I just capped your ass, man. I just capped you in the back because I'm from Caprica, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it all up in Caprica, man. <laughs> but of we, course... all know, we all know Baltar's from the street, yo. Yeah, born and raised, represent. <laughs> Only thing is, he's a farmer. I've never held it with a gun. You live on yeah. a farm. I'm sure he would have had a some sort of gun to get Chris's off the farmland at some point. 
Maybe they had Cylons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they can't shoot shit well, yeah, anyway. They got robots for that stuff. Yeah, they had Transformers. They were more meets the, su meets the eye. <laughs> but of course, uh, Crash Down being shot, of course. Uh, That's what actually attracts the... <laughs> then the Cylons go. The Cylons. Hmm. But not until we had the long dramatic pause where everyone realized that, wow, shit just happened. Yeah. And Baltar just like totally capped him in the ass with his Caprica style gun slinging. And everyone's like paused and we have at least a good 30 seconds while everyone's like, oh, and the then the silence. Shots. Okay, no. Yeah. And then, then they make this board. very, very quick run through a kilometer away <laughs> to the actual ditch. Under fire with people getting <laughs> wounded. And Tyrell grabs... Crash Down's dog tags, and there was actually a good. Uh, there was actually, I thought, cinematically, it was actually a really cool scene because he grabs the dog tags and then he runs off. Baltar still stuck in between two little trees, so he gets up, he runs, he falls on his face, which I always find it funny when he falls on his face. So I don't know why. I just want stuff to happen to him. He's still like, I'm a horrible human being. Honestly, I am. When everything bad happens to him, I'm so happy. I don't know why. <laughs> but he falls and he smacks himself in the face, landing on a rifle that Tyrrell took the dog tags instead of the rifle, which is stupid. Um, but, you know, the whole military code of honor. I get it. Ex-military, I get that. But I would have grabbed the gun, too. Uh, so he now, grabs now, see, the I'm, rifle. I'm the complete opposite. I, I am completely amused, and, and I love any time that you have somebody who is not an action hero starting to be like turned into an action hero so i love baltar the action hero yeah so when he falls it has a wider camera angle on crash down lump forward on that tree where he falls where baltar falls pretty much at his feet landing on the rifle but if you, the scene just the way they film the scene crash down face is like so darkened out it's like his soul is gone. It's like the imagery was just like kind of cool, like a oh, wow. And then Baltar grabs a rifle and then takes a bolt for it. And then they pan in on Crashdown's lifeless face. And then a mosquito lands in his eyes and you see a twitch. I'm just throwing that part in though. <laughs> but yeah, um, they eventually do get to the dish and then, the, as you said, this miraculous grenade launcher <laughs> comes into play and they blow it up. And After the... Tiro gets shot. Yeah. Tyrrell gets shot, and who, who else gets shot? I think Seelix gets shot. I uh, know. Uh, I think it was just. I think it was just. Uh, no, C no. I think Seelix does. She gets one in the leg. Okay, I don't. I don't. Don't remember that part. But the funny thing is, Tyrrell gets shot in the rib cage, in the ribs, and then throughout the rest of the episode and in the next, they have his arm in a sling, which I always thought was funny. It's the. Um, it's the Watson injury. Yeah. It moves. <laughs> Like, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was famously uh, inconsistent about where Watson's war wound actually was. Well, the thing is, if it was the ribs, then I would expect the, the arm to be in a sling because it stops you from moving too much. Because if you've broken a rib or something, you want to try and stop from moving too much. So by strapping the arm up, you restrict your movement to that area. Oh, no, I would strap the wound, honestly. <laughs> just saying, just throwing that out there. But yeah, I'm just I'm watching the scene right now. He clearly gets shot in the on the side, nowhere near his arm, as his arm is lifted up 
with the with the new rot the new uh, grenade launcher in his hand. He was aiming it and he gets shot in the ribs. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose it could, could be in a sling, but it just seems to be it's a misplaced of medical and assets. But um, yeah, this is when they really come under fire by the Cylons, and sort of Chief does a sort of Rambo sort of thing where he's just <laughs> shooting his little pistol off. And this is the best bit of this episode that I love. Is all of a sudden they just sort of like all explode, and he just sort of stares at his pistol. He stares at the guy like, "Wait, what was <laughs> like, firing? Did I just do that?" <laughs> yeah, that's that's a callback to Saving Private Ryan at the end. Uh, Captain Miller, uh, Tom Hanks' character, uh, he's dying on the bridge. They can't blow the bridge in Saving Private Ryan, so he whips out his uh, handgun and he's shooting the tank in like that dramatic, you know, one shot recoil, one shot recoil. They do this until his gun is empty and all of a sudden the tank explodes and then he has this dumbfounded look on his face and he looks at, you know, he looks at his gun now that it's empty and he just like totally blew up a tank with his gun and all of a sudden the airplanes go overhead. It's the same scene, you know, Tyrrell just shooting away with his little handgun and all of a sudden, boom, and he looks at his gun. Shit, did I just do that? <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks behind and there's this raptor with a polo just going, you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the best part yeah. of this episode for and, me and is you know, just you know, that they moment. Consciously do these things because I mean, if you listen to any of the commentaries, um, sometimes they'll tell you exactly. Yeah, yeah, this is the Saving Private Ryan scene. <laughs> um, I think I think later on they had one where it's like, yeah, we wanted to write Crimson Tide, um, essentially as a Battlestar Galactica episode. So I mean, they're they're they know exactly. Yeah, everything hallmarks and touchstones, something else that's been already done. Nothing, nothing exists in a vacuum. I, I think the, the previous episode, um, Valley of Darkness, Valley of Shadow, mm -hmm. Valley of one Darkness. of those, um, they described as this is the haunted house episode, where it's, you know, you're crawling around in the dark and there's something in the house that's going to kill you. Yeah. And this is the war movie episode. Yeah, and next episode is the West Wing episode. A little bit, yeah. Well, this is more think... JFK, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's about it for this episode because we've covered the two locations of uh, Battlestar Galactica and Cobol. Obviously, those were cut between in the episode, and we, we sort of did them uh, separately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sort of made sense to oh, yeah. do it that way. Disparate storylines, but they and actually the... finally come together at the end because this is the one where the Raptor team gets rescued. Finally. Yep. And there is no there is no mention of Caprica during this whole episode. You know, Katie Sackoff, Grace Park, and the guy that plays Hilo, their names are their star they're starring. Their their names are in the credits, yet they were not seen at all. There is yeah. no there's no even there's no boomers probably, not probably in this episode. The, oh. Probably for the first time since uh, the miniseries. Yep. Yeah, I think the only time they appear is actually in sort of the previously part when you see a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably in there. Yeah. But we but... don't count that. We skip those. Because that's not really in it. Yeah. Alrighty. So, Trogan, where can people find you? Uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter, at Drogan, D-R-O-G-Y-N, 1701. And Xander, where can people find you? 
You can follow me on the holosuitemedia.com network and Twitter and Facebook at the Xander Zone. And you can get me at everywhere. Mid- <laughs> Just about. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get me at Midnight Shadow Seven. That's night spelt N-I-T-E and the number seven. So until next time, end of line. End of line. And if you don't believe me, he's everywhere. Look under your bed. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>